Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, it's Wednesday. You know what that means. We're going to talk some NFL. I've been in a great mood all day. I cannot wait. <laughs> this is uh this has been fun. Last couple of weeks we touched on uh, the MVP race, we touched on rookie of the year race. Uh we've covered some interesting concepts and topics as we prepare for this NFL season. Uh and it's been uh, it's been a rewarding experience so far. I'm already kind of crystallizing some specific positions and some uh some ways to attack these markets and uh lo and behold, we get a guest for today's NFL pod. I'm, it's not yes. just it's not just, it's any not just anybody. Not just any guest. It's Friendy Potterson. Locky Locker. <laughs> oh, shit. Ken, I didn't know you Ken were going to do that. Surprise Welcome back that. to the deep dive. Mr. Barkley, how are you oh, doing? We're, we're doing great. So let's, I think we need to pull back the curtain entirely on what has transpired this evening <laughs> in a few different ways. <laughs> you, you might be listening. But so for, great to be on. Obviously, this is, I don't know, was this time number three or four on this pod or whatever? Oh, so at eight. least four, maybe five. I've yeah. stood the test of time, which is great to see. And I'll, as long as you'll keep having me back, I'll keep appearing. But in the interest of pulling back the curtain, we just did an hour pre-show <laughs> discussion about all kinds of random shit that like yeah. we're not going to talk about on the air, but just an hour. So just again, me talking for just an hour about random stuff that was preceded by the story I was going to tell to start the pod, which was all day. I knew I was doing the podcast. And then at like seven o'clock Eastern time, I'm on the phone with my mom. And again, like a lot of us are probably doing in the current social climate, you're having, you know, open and honest discussions with your parents or your relatives or your friends or your siblings or whatever people, you know, about what's going on. And I was getting particularly animated in this discussion. You know, I was kind of, I was just doing like the, a few good men, Tom Cruise. I'm just like thundering away basically <laughs> on the phone. Like I want answers. And, uh, and basically, did you order the code red? Right. You're damn right I did. So anyway, so I was like, uh, you know, so I was just, I was getting pretty animated about what's going on in a couple areas. And I hung up the phone and then I turned to my wife to tell her something and I immediately felt it in my voice. And I go, oh no, I go, I'm supposed to do the podcast. And I think I just lost my voice yelling about social injustice on the phone. And I said, oh no, this is going to suck. So then I sign on with you guys and I tell you that story. And then immediately we proceed to talk for 60 minutes about or an hour. I, I didn't want to bring up the irony of that. Yeah, and all kinds of stuff. I don't know how I have any gas left in the tank, frankly, to do this podcast. Uh, yeah. I might not have my fastball, but you know, we'll go with some off-speed stuff. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But it is hey, great I, to be on, obviously. Uh, yeah. And uh, I just, I just ran a marathon, guys. You wanted to go for a jog before we do the podcast? <laughs> it's my warm down. It's my cool down period. Yeah. So. Hey, man, this is a good. Uh, this is a good chance to get back in shape. You're going to be doing a lot more of this talking. Four you hours a night, yourself, man. In the you got to get yourself in shape, man. Woo! This is, yeah. you know, that we're we're doing you a solid, helping you, uh, helping you get 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 fit, man. Get your voice back in shape. This is this is huge. Right. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, to, yeah, you're welcome. Give, give us a little uh, little heads up. What's coming back? You're you're doing some um, some more. You better you bet. Uh, a show I've been missing. It became a, a regular staple of my uh, afternoon evening listening. Uh, is that coming back soon? It is. Uh, the show The show recently has come back in what I would call kind of like a, a reduced format, basically. They're just kind of easing it back in, basically. It's like an hour podcast. Uh, you know, people who listen to the show, obviously, Nick and Nick Costos and Eli are, are hosting right now. It'll kind of do some similar stuff during the summer, obviously. You know, it's already June 17th, but, you know, next couple months, we're not really sure what sports we're going to have, what how much there's going to be to talk about. So I think, you know, there's some reluctance to go full bore back to four hours a day talking, you know, IndyCar and stuff when that eventually comes <laughs> back. So basically the plan is like fall, 
hopefully, you know, we'll have some, some announcements. I can't really go into a bunch of specifics, but I'll just say like, I, uh, I am excited to, you know, still be a part of the show and to be a big, big, big part of the show. And hopefully we can kind of get some more details out there when we get, you know, maybe a month or two down the road. You're, you're going to go from zero to a hundred here. You know, it's funny. You're talking, uh, we can only do an hour cause there's no sports. And then, you know, all of a sudden we may have baseball, basketball played in a bubble, college football, NFL, major golf tournaments. And then hockey. same time still, you know, hockey might come back. You still got UFC. They're taking full advantage, making hay, you know, making hay when the sun shines every freaking week, doing it to a, a fight night. And and then you still have, you know, the big ones in the fall, right? You got the Kentucky fight Island. in the fall, like, yeah. you know, yeah. Fight islands coming back. Like there's shit's, yep. shit's going to get pretty wild during our tennis, so, yeah, like, 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 golf tennis majors, majors. The masters yeah. is going to be the same weekend. Is Alabama LSU or something insane? They might just say, let's just do the Olympics. Like right now, everybody get to Japan. Doing them. Sports is happening. It could get, oh God, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about the fall. So yeah, you're going to have to go from one hour to like six hours in a hurry. Yeah, Extended. absolutely. We, we might do it. Yeah, I mean, just in the the powers that be at radio.com, like they already put us on for four, so don't give them any ideas. Five, six, I think those are those are in play. As long as as long as my voice will last, they will have us talking about sports betting in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I know you haven't been just sitting around, you know, twiddling your thumbs and you know, spending time with your family during this uh during this quarantine. <laughs> right. It looks yeah, exactly. uh, you've done <laughs> you did a good job of uh, putting out some written content. So instead of uh, you know instead of talking four hours a night about sports, you've been you know putting pen to paper uh, and uh, really hammering away some fascinating content as as it pertains to this upcoming NFL season. And guess what? We're NFL guys. That's right in our wheelhouse. And I've really enjoyed reading these pieces. Um, and I guess what made you decide to pivot to NFL was it just sort of a, 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 the most certainty that we would even have games. Yeah, I think there there were a bunch of it was sort of the confluence of a bunch of timely things. Obviously, I'm a really, really big college football person. I wrote a college football guide last year. I bet a ton of preseason college football win totals and and futures and all that kind of stuff. Heisman. That's just kind of like my wheelhouse. And, you know, eight, 12 weeks ago. Like, let's be honest, things weren't really looking great for the prospect of a college football season. They're still not looking particularly awesome, but I think we're all at least kind of in some sort of tacit agreement that there's going to be football in the fall. But college was really in flux. And that was always the period of time, talking about March and April, where it kind of turned the page to the next season. What what is going on in college football? Let me assemble kind of like all of my information. Let me do a lot of my simulations and projections, all that kind of stuff. And I was really... I was kind of like, I don't want to do this. Like, I think so much is going to change. This is yeah. a total waste of time for me to do in April when we're in the, I mean, think about how you felt mentally, you know, April 1st too. I mean, you yeah. felt like, I mean, we might not have sports for, I think I literally have a bet with somebody on Twitter. Will there be a game in a major professional sport with fans at it by April 1st, 2021? We made it for a year and I got like 75 to one or something on $5. And, and like, I'm going to be honest, like I still I like feel that. pretty good about it. So, yeah. That's um, but think about how you felt April 1st, right? Like college football, how, how could I ever put meaningful effort into handicapping this with the prospect of what's to come? And with that in mind, I was like, all right, well, what could I spend some time on that would be a little more, you know, maybe helpful? Obviously, like this is all sort of dancing around the fact that I do have a Patreon channel uh, and and write content for that. We have a lot of golf. Like I, we, I have a lot of golf on there right now. And I wrote this series about NFL win totals. This is what we're talking about right now. Locky Lockerson on Twitter. That's how you can find the Patreon just to connect the dots there for everybody. So it's like and OnlyFans? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, OnlyFans, but for sports. Right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I, lo- I love what you're doing. And boy, 
like it sounds like you took it well at least because I kind of I don't know I've I'm pretty chipper I'm I'm pretty laid back and I take things like water off a duck's back I I don't ever get too worried about anything I try not to because it doesn't do any good but like I was a little depressed when I had that same you know epiphany about college football because this was going to be the year we'd you know we joked about how good we were at tailing people last year and we did well in college football without even really diving in and I said god I, I see these people just crushing college football the smart people who have good numbers crush it for the first like five six weeks I want to be that guy I think I can do it especially just talking to some people I know and then all of a sudden it just like there was just one day where I had the same thing. I was like, "Well, I'm I'm not doing that at all. Like, I'm not I'm not wasting. I have 24 hours a day, and I'm not putting any of those towards college football anymore. Like, it's what's what's the next sport up? Like college right. basketball, I guess. And that's what I've been working on. So it's it's nice that you uh, pivoted so nicely, and you have something to talk about because it, it's not like it's the same damn sport. You know, NFL, it's it's still football. And, you know, we've talked about this off air when you weren't here. You know, your ears were probably burning a little because, like, we we have done some award show stuff or award show. uh, uh, NFL awards, we've done a couple podcasts about some of those. And, like, we'll always say that in the preamble when we're talking or afterwards. Like, we've basically been saying this for, like, three weeks. Yeah, we got to get Lockie on because, like, we have fun with these and we've done well breaking down, I thought. But... I just like your Heisman stuff from years ago and anything you've ever done where you, you have such a systematic approach to some of these markets. And I, I just love listening to you talk about these because you do it. You just lead your way from here's the field, here's the market and the way you whittle things down. I've always loved that. So very happy that uh, you're finding some, some ways to get your content out there and super wow. excited to have you break some of that down today. Well, gushing praise, first of all. So thank you very much. For that. Uh, that was, <laughs> well, I mean, some of those bets even hit. We're not even done. That was, there was none of this in the hour pre-meeting. I just want to point that out. There was none of this complimentary talk whatsoever. We're just uh, yelling at you. <laughs> so the, I, the, just to get into, you know, I, I kind of, I danced around Will's question a little bit, which was basically like, what did I do and why did I do it? So there were sort of all the reasons why I chose to do something different, but why I settle on NFL and why I settle on writing about regular season wins, right? I think one thing that, that I find really interesting about the NFL and, and Will and I obviously go back many, many years now talking about NFL preseason markets and win totals and stuff. I'm always fascinated by the extent to which we get the NFL wrong so frequently. And we, we do, we have such a bad gauge whether I mean, it's, and we just being everybody, I think we have such a bad gauge for who's going to be good and who's not going to be good and how to price things and how to set really precise win totals for teams. It just seems like compared to some of the other sports, we just are really shitty as a country about figuring out, who's going to be good in the NFL and who's going to be bad and why, why is that? And so this, this, <laughs> this series was basically an attempt to look at regular season wins as if I knew absolutely nothing about anything, like forget everything you've ever learned about the sport of football, forget everything, just like bring in like a just totally rudimentary understanding of like numbers. And I'm not a huge math guy. I just use, you know, what I can, some statistics and some Excel stuff to just try to kind of make sense of things, try to make it relatable to people. But really, you know, like the, the, the example I tried to come up with earlier today, I was trying to think of like a way to explain it. So like, I think, you know, we're all like kind of in our thirties, basically some of the people listening aren't, but I think this example still applies when you were You're still in your thirties, Will. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, at, least, okay. at least for at least for a few more years. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah, buddy. So, well, you look like you're in your 20s, and I mean, you surf and snowboard every weekend. And 
know, post shots of having like a fucking pina colada in some bay somewhere with some anonymous yacht in the background. So like, I think you're doing okay. But like the, uh, the thought I had was basically when it, for people like us, when we were growing up, I was born in 1984 in the late 90s. I was, I was, I was about to go to high school and the late 90s, the biggest video game system was Nintendo 64. And, like, oh yeah, that was a good it one. Was the, it was the shit. And if you played Nintendo 64, first of all, you probably always played with your friends from school. There were, you could fit four controllers in the system. This is pre-Xbox Live, pre-PlayStation, whatever it's called. So you again, X, Nintendo 64 was it. You only played with your friends. There were two games that everybody played. Everybody played Goldeneye and everybody played Mario Kart. Those were the two games that everybody played. And if no matter who you were, like whoever you were, you because you only ever played your friends, right? There's no online gaming. There's no anything. It's just you and your friends in your neighborhood. Everybody always thought they were the best person at Mario Kart. So like when you like went to college or like I went to boarding school for high school and found 20 other people who thought they were the best at Mario Kart, you could, there was a steep learning curve. You would find out really fast that now it was actually just you and your buddies. And then when you were exposed to any wider community, you actually were the 1 million 20th best person at Mario Kart. And you had no clue that that was even where you fit into the universe. Your confidence was shattered. I think people with the NFL Everybody watches so many NFL games on their own, consumes content, podcasts, reads a lot. It's so readily available. Obviously, it's the most popular sport in the country and is covered in the media like that, too. There's so much available. I think everybody thinks they're like the bet. Like, I, I, I could probably beat betting the nfl i watch so many games i know so much more than any other sport yeah i know i know this hypothetical person in fact i know i know i know i went to high school in 2013 right exactly this was me i was this guy i was this person for many years yeah i watched the patriots games like i could figure out the player props like i watch every snap like i have breakdowns every monday night football right so again just like the person who again everybody thought they were the best at mario kart everybody thought they were the best at goldeneye and then you would quickly realize when actual, you know, when the when the stakes were increased or the competition increased, that was not the case. Well, I think with the people NFL, didn't let you play as odd job. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the betting equivalent of that is. I'm sure it's like scalping or something. It's probably like playing as odd jobs, job is worth basically. Like Sixty right. cents to a line. Right, right exactly. Yeah. Um, no, so, no, playing as odd playing as odd job is you have a bunch of back ends to paperhead accounts from the sharp players. Right. So you know exactly. All true. <laughs> true. 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 Yeah. yeah I'm sure yeah. we can all we're all probably thinking of which people in the gambling space applies to each character <laughs> in the game right now. But uh or in, yeah. in Mario Kart, I guess the same thing. So the the idea is basically just like we come into betting NFL as sports fans, which I mean, you know, sports fans become sports bettors all the time, casual ones. We come into the NFL so much differently than we come into every other sport. We come in feeling like we know a lot of stuff. And the the goal of the series was basically in these writings and just, you know, like just how to think about this stuff is like, what if, what if I didn't approach it with any of that stuff? Like what if like the absolute ground zero with which you could approach the first post literally just has a frequency table of in the last 20 years, here's how many times each te a team has won this many games. Like that's the start, like just the absolute bottom foundational stuff. And if you start there and work your way up, then you, you actually, what I found is you kind of end up in so much of a better place than if you try to approach it with you having watched games for 20 years and history and what you read about the guys and podcasts and all that stuff, like that actually kind of poisons the well a little bit. And if you start from this absolute kind of bare bones approach, you can actually get somewhere that's pretty interesting. 
Yeah, no, that's all. That's all very well said. And your frequency table illustrates a key point right off the bat. Like it's not useless information. You look at the frequency table of what the wind totals are and the frequency table of what the actual results are, and they have a different shape, which tells you right away that there's some inefficiency going on. And yeah, no, I think your your point is super. Your your point is super super well you know well phrased and you know the question you asked at the beginning has a pretty straightforward answer which is sample size like we only have 16 games right like the cream is not always going to rise to the you know rise to the top here you know this isn't like baseball where you know they just eventually they beat it out of you who's good who's bad like you can have fluky stuff that you know drastically you know influences your you know your final wins and losses over the course of the season and so sample size rules all and um but it is it's incongruous like how can we have two these two thoughts in our head where on one hand um, the NFL is the most efficient market in the universe. Um, and on the other hand, like it's not right. It's not good at all. Like well, how, how can those two thoughts exist at the same time? Yeah, you right. can have a couple of teams play each other in the divisional round who probably maybe shouldn't even be in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and the, the idea of that's a good comparison. That might have happened last yeah. year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. That might have happened last year in consecutive right. weeks. <laughs> right. Or you have like the Packers play the Niners in the first game and then everybody suddenly is like, oh, they're live in the second game. And it's like, well, like or they lost by 45 again. So like the again, but yeah, but the, I think the point you made, which is good, which is like I'm I definitely did not go into the series about regular season wins thinking oh all NFL markets are completely full of shit right like all like all like this it's just, just we could just print money just like you know what's the what's the like money machine go burr that's what everybody yeah. does now with the, oh, yeah. the economy right with the you know quantitative easing first thing I so, think of when I think of betting yeah right yeah exactly <laughs> so like I'm definitely not saying that I'm saying actually the, exact the burr is the like, shredder though really right? more yeah. <laughs> like I, like betting NFL sides betting NFL totals like God bless you you know like good luck to everybody doing that but like the rate, the preseason markets, I just think are particularly fascinating because I do think a lot of it is shaped by, you know, yes, simulation and smart opinion are, of course, factors, but there are just incredibly obvious, like I hesitate to call them angles necessarily, but just like incredibly obvious, like things to notice about those markets that are not at play in other preseason markets and other sports and that are not at play in when we get into the season, the week to week sides and totals, which to be fair, have, you know, very, very high limits are more likely to draw sharp action because the, you, you know, the book's holding your money for three hours, like all those kind of things make those two things in way different. So I think that's a good point that you make where, you know, me saying the NFL is so, you know, unpredictable and we can't get it right. That really, that's the preseason markets. And there's a stark difference between that and what goes on during the season. Yeah, when it, when an NFL side and total reached their, God, I'm, I just about said climax. I don't know why I got to make it dirty. <laughs> when it, when you know when when it's been beat through the week and and manipulated by money coming <laughs> what, in, where are you going here? Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> keep like going. That, this is good. Keep going. I'm just it's been shank, massaged. Shank. And yeah, when it's been, yeah, when it's, it's been, been just, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just fully it's, engorged market. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. When, when it's fully extended at the end of the week, <laughs> you guys are gonna have to put like an explicit lyrics warning on this podcast. Yeah, this is PG, some PG thirteen, yes, but yeah. no, you know, like number, obviously, yeah, right. obviously, that's become efficient and. And uh, it's a big difference because just the, the way those markets work compared to the amount of deviance and variance you can have over a small sample size. Because like you, you want to say your sample size is 16 games. Like w- w- You can say, well, what about one game? That's a sample of one. But at the same time, the sample size is 
probably the amount of plays you have in a game. Like that's where your deviance is going to come in. There's games that go full variance, full deviance. It's like well, there's seasons know. that go full deviance. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, no, quarterback you know, gets you, hurt. You, you, you right. see it's a game like that. It's like, oh shit, you know, they they turn the ball over like six times. It doesn't matter what the market said before the game. It's hard to handicap someone losing the turnover battle like that. Like that. That's how seasons go because you don't have 150 plays in a, in in like you do in a, a season or a game rather. You have those 16 games, and boy howdy, a quarterback goes down and everything's off. Like it doesn't matter how much sharp money came in on the over eight and a half wins. If you lose a quarterback, like it's just dead, it's dead in the water. Well, and think about let's, let's, let's spin that forward to kind of, you know, go in some of the meat of, of some of the posts a little bit, just to say, you know, one of the things that became very obvious. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to really watch some of the, the words that I say and some of the implications <laughs> after Andy just went on that monologue that had featured some, some real whoppers. The, uh, the, you know, some of the data that you pull in and stuff, again, last 20 years, just look at some of the distribution of wins, look at that stuff. What what we're saying, because you might be hearing us say, oh, well, like nobody knows what they're talking about. Like the win totals are so off. Like, well, what do we mean yep. by that? Well, okay, like, you know, if you, if you look at the distribution of win totals, you look at how frequently uh, they're wrong and what they are generally wrong by, it's usually, especially in the middle where you would expect the most variance, seven, eight, nine, stuff like that. Like those win totals are frequently off by about two and a half wins either way. That's the average error in win totals in that, in that span. And two and, a half, two and a half doesn't sound like a lot, but you're talking about a 16 game season. And you're also talking about, you know, that's enough wiggle room where again, if you can give yourself some reasons to like a team one way or the other, you, you have some confidence that the number that is being set in the market is not precise. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of win totals work like that. They're not precise. There is a margin of error. We can't know everything. Quarterback injuries can happen that we can't predict. If you bet the Steelers last year, I'm sure you feel like that season didn't count. Basically I had the lions win total over last year. I certainly feel like that didn't count because they went, Oh, and 10, basically when Matthew Stafford got hurt and you know, there, so there's, there's all this variance, right? Obviously. So, okay. We know the win totals aren't precise. We know they're off by a little bit. The thing that is the most jarring though, is when you look at how they're off and which ones are frequently off, it's, it's like a classic case of nobody knowing what the fuck they're talking about. So here's what I mean by that. Basically, if you, you know, think about all the number of games that an NFL team can win, right? From zero to 16, uh, any win totals that are set in the middle Let's kind of toss out for a second. So that's seven and a half, eight, and eight and a half. Obviously, those are around the midpoint of eight. Those Gone. are like your average. Awesome. Team. So then you're left with two sections, right? You're left with teams that are expected to win seven or fewer games, and you're expected, and then you have teams that are expected to win nine or more games. So kind of like let's call those teams we expect to be good and teams we expect to not be very good. And if you look at the last twenty years of win total results, there is a pretty strong signal that we do a bad job of predicting who is going to be good. And who is not going to be very good because that group of teams in the seven or below goes over at a pretty, you know, stark rate. I think over over 200 data points, it's like 54% to the over when you remove pushes. And then the other way, when you bet the teams, again, not knowing anything about the teams, just knowing the number. What is the win total? Like uh, seven and under, you bet them over. You are up lifetime. Just, just doing that, not thinking any other piece of information. And then nine and over, you bet under. You are again up lifetime. Now you're not up a lot. And with inflation, you're probably down a million dollars because this is over 20 <laughs> seasons. But like, so again, this isn't like this isn't like opening the treasure chest and I've just told you how to beat win total markets. But again, like think about what we're saying. Be a lot cooler if it was. Right. Think about what we're saying when we say that. We're saying that that in in general, and more than half the time, teams we think are bad are not. 
and teams that we think are good are not. And it's not a coin flip. It is not 50% one way or the other on either of those statements. I think that's really interesting. It's yeah, no, it's, the, the, it's yeah. a head start. Like, yes, exactly. It, if you're if you're working with a subset of games where you can say like cuz you should you should say you know a big enough sample probably 50-50 coin flip but if you can get to a subset where it's 52-48 53-47 or even to you know what were what were you at 54 you said yeah, it was uh, so basically. I mean, if you, you, if you, you have a head every start. team, yeah, if you bet every team, I can like scroll down to find the actual percent, uh, just to make sure we're we're keeping with like the legitimacy of what's going on. But the uh, the idea of yeah, just again, like the teams in the middle. Okay, if we remove again, like so, think about what we you know when a team has a win total seven or less, we're saying. I mean, I say we. It's like the market is indicating that that team is not expected to be very good. Like we can say that pretty pretty straightforward. And when a team has a win total of nine or more, we expect that team, the market expects that team to be pretty good. Like, you know, you would expect in something that was super efficient for, you know, about half the time we're going to be right about half the time we're going to be wrong because the number's pretty good. So to, again, just to have that strong of a signal from the jump, like before you think about anything else, you do, you do give yourself a head start. And I think, you know, one of the points of one of the early posts is just, you know, if you can, I think one of the posts is literally called, if you can find a reason, if you can find a reason other things that are signals to bet some of these teams that are low priced over or bet some of these teams that are high priced under, you're sort of getting like almost like a residue, like a residual EV that's just kind of attached to that bet because of the type of bet that you're making a, a team, you know, that's set at 10 to go under or a team that's set at something like five to go over. Yeah, no, I like that. Add in some of your other handicapping. Like if you yeah. look at that subset and you already liked something under in that, it, like I said, you have that head start, you have a couple extra percentage points on your side. And I think it makes, I mean, my, it's, it's definitely going to make thing, me feel better about some ones I've looked at. My favorite thing this does is it strips away the potential for bias seeping into this. Right. So like, you know, we talked about, you know, Hey, Andy made the joke, like, Hey, this is, you know, your Patreon is like your only fans. Like, like this regular season wins, you know, wins like um, series of articles isn't like, here's the Texans. I'm betting the under. Here's why they made these moves in the offseason. They traded DeAndre Hopkins, who's really important. And now, you know, their draft was, you know, was lean because they traded away all their picks. Like, you know, like that's not what you're getting here. <laughs> like, you're right. getting let's, very, let's very, go on a tangent like, for a second. Like. So, yeah. <laughs> other people, have, like, like other people like, know about the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to, right. you don't have think to. I think I read about that. Think I right. No, that. instead yeah. you, you're stripping away the biases that you come into, you know, because everybody exactly. else's process is linear in a different way. And you're coming at it from an entirely different direction. Like, like, uh, you are, you know, you're rightfully, you're removing all the anchoring, which I think is a massive, massive problem in betting the preseason win totals market for the average sports better. Right. And let's, let's, uh, so for the first time in, 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 uh, in this podcast, but not for the first time when you've had me on, let's go on a little bit of a tangent about that topic for a second. Cause I think you're both in the gambling content business. And I think there are two points here that are really important to bring up and that, that are kind of interesting. Somebody might be asking one of these questions, uh, as well, which is, you know, the idea of having an edge and revealing it, right? So that's thing number one that I think is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Any The smarter you get and the more you learn about sports betting, the more you would probably be more likely to guard whatever edge that you have because it's probably legitimate, right? Like the, that happens the smarter you get in the space. So there's always like a question and any of this content comes up and it's a, it's the right question and it's a smart question and it gets asked all the time, which is why don't you just bet this stuff? Like why would you tell somebody <laughs> this is going on? Why the fuck would yeah. you 
bet it, you dummy. We love like you it's, guys. it's usually phrased like that too. Why the fuck wouldn't you just bet it, you dummy? It's usually phrased like that. So I think the important thing with this series is I think that's sort of a sweet spot here, basically, where there's an opportunity to learn a lot here where you can get smarter, but also not have an edge, if that makes a lot of sense. Like you can learn more about how something works, but then the the idea of coming up with the bets, creating simulation, you know, again, like all these stuff, like these are still things you would have to do on your own. When you finish reading the posts, it's not like you're going to be able to just print money. Like that's, you're not even going to be, you might not actually be able to make one smart bet, honestly. Small sample size still, is, still, is still a massive problem. But you're going to learn a lot. And that's that's the second point, which is, I mean, let's be honest, gambling content, gambling content isn't really from the producer standpoint is generally actually not a lot about teaching anybody anything. It's about selling them something. It's about like, I, the, the I mean, think about the example you just provided, right? Here's the Texans. I'm on this bet. Here's why. You're getting a very once, I mean, we talk all the time about fake news and, and Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all this stuff. And like, who's on what side? Like, that's a, like, again, that, that gambling approach is identical, right? It's, I'm only telling you the things that lead you to believe the thing I want you to believe, right? I'm only I'm sure. only telling you the things that lead you to believe that my bet is a really smart bet. So even if it loses, it sounds like I was right and all this kind of stuff. Like there's no learning that takes, after somebody sells you a reason, if you watch a TV show about betting, any of that kind of stuff where it's, I'm on this and here's why, when you're done listening to that, you're never actually smarter in any meaningful way for having heard it. Now, maybe you make the bet, maybe you win money. That's like sort of a different ball of wax, but you never actually, you've never learned anything. You're not, you're not retaining any information that's going to help you make future decisions. So I think one of the good things about this series, and, and honestly, I try to create content like this frequently, is that can people learn stuff while at the same time, there isn't some edge that's immediately going to disintegrate, right? And that is a really yeah. tough little route to occupy. I, honestly, the sample size is a massive fun function of this, too, to be honest. I, I, like, think about like your, you did the college football preview at this last year. You talked about the this is our year type of angle, which was one of my favorite phenomenal. angles that's well, ever was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. <laughs> you, we could favorite. redo, yeah. we could redo this pot, that podcast every freaking year for the next five years. We could get up to 50,000 year balls here in that exact argument. I don't think that edge erodes. It's, it's kind of fundamentally, you know, built into the way that the markets, um, the markets are shaped because guess what? A team, you know, they're the bookmaker. All they care about is is somebody going to walk in and put a ten thousand dollar bet on Texas to go over their nine wins because they think it's their year. And if that happens, and I don't move the juice, is somebody going to come in and put a ten thousand dollar bet on the under at minus one ten because they know that's a plus EV bet, right? Like I don't see that fundamentally changing because they're getting the bookmakers are getting what they want. They don't want the exact right line. They want they, for these type of markets, I think, they want to write one one minus one ten tickets on both sides. And they're getting right. that. Right. They want money. That's what they want. And if this and if this <laughs> right. if this content leads people to make bets, then that will have successfully done its job in terms of the sports book. Like they'll for they'll sure. get what for they sure. want in terms of increased interest uh in betting in that market. So yeah. Do like, you I'm agree not, though? I'm not sure the edge is gonna weigh do you agree I don't though know. if you just hammer that that eventually it would go away? You think I you think, would stop seeing you see fewer teams lined in that range? I think that uh, I think you're probably right in NFL win totals. That let's put it this way: I hope it gets to the point where the edge erodes. Because do you know what would happen if that edge eroded? That would mean I am like a you like have market the best, influence, <laughs> a best not not well not even just market influence, incredible power and popularity, the likes of which I've never had in my entire life. So if that happens, like that means I have become 
like the fucking Tony Robbins of sports betting advice. <laughs> like, I mean, I've just, I have, I've just, you know, become this thing in this space where everybody is thinking the same way about something and therefore acting on it. And that's creating the, mar- causing the market to move. You're, you're right that I don't, I don't think it's going to have a lasting impact, but I mean, does it, does it have some small impact here or there? You know, the bigger these types of talking points get, because they're, and let, let's be honest, if we say stuff on here and you guys probably have had this happen, if you guys say smart stuff on this podcast, somebody is going to parrot it. Somebody's going to go somewhere and say the exact same thing. Like I fully expect, I, I'll just say this. I fully expect some of the stuff in these series of posts to be basically redistributed under other companies. Like I totally yeah, would sure. expect that because sure. like somebody's going to read this and go, Oh shit, we don't have anything like that. Which is let's just, <laughs> and, and like they'll write it a little again. It's like aggregators. Yeah. It's kind of the, yeah, the aggregation yeah. industry works like this too, where, you know, somebody on a podcast says something that two people have a conversation and then somebody writes what those guys said and say like on their podcast, they said, well, it'll be a lot more brazen in this case. They'll just take the sure. charts and rip them. But like, again, <laughs> it just, I, I expect that, but that's okay. Like that's in this case, that's okay. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the post was not so that all the credit goes to me and I'm the only one who gets to write about this stuff. But I do, I, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of just stripping away what people think they know about sports from watching it and, and becoming casual betters and kind of revealing the, like the ugly truth basically, which is that you like, you don't know nearly as much as you think you do and neither do I. So let's try to kind of start from the ground up. Okay. Yeah, so we're put, we're to not put even a final... recording this Lockie. We're going <laughs> to re-record this as our own. Like, I want to put a real you. quick final point on this. And then I want to talk a little bit about Pythag, uh, which you got into in a very interesting way. Um, but like, I feel like if you had an edge and it was scalable, um, if it was an edge on um, college football, generally and, and, and game NFL by sides, game and NFL you can totals. you could get and you could get down 10 15 bets a week on it and you could do that for all 11 12 weeks of the college football season like that's that's the stuff that you have to guard with your life <laughs> sure. the stuff that is like hey there are four or five bets that are massively EV in this market before the season starts and you can cash them you can probably we're probably going to go three and one or four and one um, come you know, come December, like that. It's just it's not as it's not as easy to scale. So I don't. I really I don't think these are. I think these are the kind of things where you read it once and you know you're you've taught a man to fish kind of stuff. Right. Well, I hope I hope that's the case. And and you know we've we again you guys talked about we talked about Heisman on this podcast before. We've talked about Coach of the Year, which is like my favorite. Somehow the I got I that is a market where I can't believe the edge is still there. I like really I can't. It's so small. Like it's not even offered in that many offshores. And it's just again year after year, totally fucked up. Just that makes the dumb, the dumb narratives down. put like five guys up top. Every let's, year, let's always have make no Bill Belichick the favorite. Yeah. Let's just always make him the favorite. So I just—it's amazing. Yeah. Although this this yeah. year he actually so, probably has a better chance than normal. Yeah, the percentage. Yeah, the percentage <clears throat> that some people eat up at the top of these award markets is ridiculous. Like, like you can just, if you sometimes it's all Joe it's Burrow this year in the offensive just, rookie yeah. year is a good sure. example. Well, no, I mean you can just look at it sometimes and see like two names and see their odds and say. I haven't even looked at anything else and I can tell you somebody else's value because sure. these well, guys with are the, with eat, the whole, they're eating up so yeah. much of the, with the whole that might not be true. Like, I mean, well, like, well, I just figured it out and it all adds up to 275. Like, oh shit. Well, actually, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just, just no one's valuable. Right. What is this? Bovada? God, what's going on? Yeah. So like, just um, again, yeah. What, yeah. So anyway, sorry, you want to move on. Anyway, yeah. To talk to, to, to delve into the Pythagorean here. So, um, you get into this topic and this is a, this is a well-tread 
area. And I, I was almost like, oh, interesting. Like, you know, it hasn't been talked about in much the last couple of years, probably because people got bored talking about it, writing about really? it. They didn't have an interesting new take on it. And I thought, but I thought you did a good job of kind of pointing out like, how can this be so resilient? Like, how can this be, how can there still be signal? It's, it's influencing the opening number. It's influencing the way the market's moving. And yet there's still signal on the closing number here, which is kind of wild. Um, and I, and I'm just curious if you, if you think there is a way to refine the way that it's done currently. And I got into thinking a lot more about points scored specifically and points allowed. And I'd like you to kind of first talk about like what it is we're what what it is we mean Pythag if you can give us like a quick summary intro to Pythag sure. and, and then <laughs> is is points scored even the best indicator to be using in this because fundamentally we're trying to strip away what qualifies as luck right but right. it doesn't reflect like you know hey your points scored and points allowed that 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 reflects a little bit of your schedule from last year that reflects a little bit of lucky bounces in terms of turnovers scored. Uh, you, know, t- you know, turnover, you know, all kinds Touchdowns of defense that are special, out of context. Yeah, you know, like late, late scores, scores that didn't yep. change much of the late game. Late scores that didn't change I mean, much of the game. Look at the Patriots Fourth, last year. Yeah. yeah. yeah Patriots last year, a perfect example. So, uh, was yeah, your, I, was your, yeah. Was your coach going for fourth downs or was he kicking field goal? You know, those types of things all play into this. And we're, we're not, you know, there, I don't know, is yards gained potentially a better predictor? You know, like, is there something sure. else that you can do to kind of um, to refine what it is that uh, can help explain why even after it's all said and done, this super well-known angle still has life. Sure, absolutely. I I feel I feel like the, a little bit of weight on my shoulder to try to be the one who explains because <laughs> I am. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's be honest. In this spectrum of guests that you've had on the show, I am in like the bottom quartile of mathematically inclined guests that you probably had on the show. Like, I'm just. It's. I use it and I do the best I can and I try to get the most out of it. But like, you know, the explanation of mathematical properties is just not. That's not in like the pro column when we get to the I, like. That's not. That's not going to be one of my things. But that yeah. being said. I hard time, hard time out, Lockie. Okay. I mean, you, you. I don't want you to disparage your math. I just listened to a Bill Simmons podcast okay. where he describes something as having six quartiles. Okay, he says, <laughs> he says I'm going to divide it into six quartiles. Maybe it was a maybe that's, it was an NFL futures market. You know, that that's, that, that's you can't have six. Yeah, so right. I think you're great at math. Don't don't even do that. So uh, so Pythagorean expert. So again, for people who are like, can you just tell me what this thing means? So basically, yeah. uh, it's it's referred to in kind of like a, a couple different terms now because you have football outsiders, you have pro football reference. Everybody's just like their own basic spin on this thing. So you'll, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see it as expected wins. That's like a really common way to, to put it now. Um, basically, the idea is uh, you're, it's, a, it's a metric that attempts to sort of quantify uh, basically like how good you are as a team. And one of the reasons, one of the ways in which it's valuable is that it's really good at predicting forward and it's better at predicting forward than how many actual wins you had. So I'll sort of explain with just like a really straightforward example. So uh, if if I'm an NFL team and I played 16 games and at the end of the season, I scored as many points as I allowed, my Pythagorean expectation would be eight wins. It would be 50%. That I would be a 50% winning percentage team because I scored as many points as I allowed. If uh, at the end of that season, though, as we learned from like Seattle last year, I might get to the end of the season and I might be 11 and five, but my expected wins would actually be less than that. And the idea there is basically that the quality of my team was not reflected in my record. I'm actually elite, you know, I'm a less good team than my record indicates. And it can work the other way, obviously, uh, as well. And it's, I would say it's less important, at least during the season, I would say, to sort of evaluate 
like who's good and who's not in like very, very small chunks, like four games or eight games or whatever. I think it's just much better at looking at kind of the totality of a season and predicting forward to the next season. I think you actually get some strong signal out of it in terms of, and the market knows this too, obviously the market's aware of it. So I, I hope that was at least kind of, you know, a reasonable explanation. It's it's based on, it's literally just how many points did you score? How many points did you allow? Okay, then here's like the expected record we would think you would have knowing those two pieces of information. How does that differ from how many wins you actually had? Maybe that can tell us some things about who you are as a team, basically. Got it. Okay. Oh, I, like, I like that explanation. And you're right. Other people do it a little differently. Everybody has a little, their own little spin on it, but sure. that wasn't the answer that whale wanted. Cause whales already like on the 10th level of analysis here. And he wants to, <laughs> he wants to talk about, well, what if he didn't use points and use yards or use like, yeah, scoring no, opportunities what do you or think? something like that? Yeah. What do you, yeah. Um, what, what do you think? Is there, a, is there a better predictor than so, scored points? So this that has been feels, about, that feels I think super. in a game, a game by game basis, there's definitely some things you should look at and maybe uh, this is something that's been spinning around my head. And I haven't even talked to you about this but I think maybe a game shouldn't be binary. Yeah. You know, in in the same way as like, you know, you should, you should go back and do the autopsy on the game using something like points scored or point point value added. That was exactly what I was thinking. Something along those lines and say like, and actually come up with a percentage. Like what percentage of the time should this team have won this game and start to do some sums on that. And I've just, I haven't quite, that's kind of a project that's on the back burner now. Like now I'm, now I'm excited. That's you, you jumped all the way to the conclusion. That was totally, totally the right way to take this. Totally the right way to take this. Well, I, let me I don't give you know. a couple more, though. Let me give you, so you, you mentioned yards. You maybe want to work that in. Andy had a couple of good ideas Yeah, there. tell me what which one to use to get to my fault, my ending here. Well, so, so the, the first and most obvious thing is, like, obviously, you know, we're all we're all in the NBA circle, so we're all kind of aware of cleaning the glass and, like, what they yes. so Garbage they you, time. Right, they give strip you... Strip out if, garbage time. Yes, exactly. So efficiencies, efficiencies yeah. that strip out garbage time, that should probably be, like, step one, right? So when... Yes. Or the other thing you can think about is you know, efficiencies in which the backup quarterback started the game, are those a toss out? So if you're a value, let's give you, I mean, let's spin this forward because people will be more interested in talking about what's going to happen. Uh, When you evaluate Washington this year, are you looking at their Pythagorean for the entire season or are you looking at their Pythagorean when Dwayne Haskins started a quarterback? If you're doing the Giants this season, are you looking at games in which Eli Manning started or are you looking at the whole season or are you looking at just Daniel Jones? If you're looking at the Panthers, are you using Bridgewater anything with the Saints or are you tossing everything? So again, like these are questions and I, I'm not saying I have the answer to all these questions but I think these are ways again talk about applications these are ways that you would think about not just looking at what a team did for an entire season and saying yep that nails it like that's what the team is and then the the other thing that I would add just statistically because you guys are going to be probably better at plugging in additional NFL based statistics to make the, the theorem better or to, to make it different in a way that helps you a little bit more, you know, is it worth stripping away every point that's scored by your defense and every point that's allowed by your offense? So pick sixes that go against you, pick sixes that go for you, special teams, touchdowns for and against you. Do you strip those away from points scored and points allowed? Because what we find, and we can get to Tark and all this other stuff in a second, what we find is that those are incredibly fluky and not predictive. So do we, re- yeah. do we remove the point that we don't like basically do we remove the points that don't tell us about your offense do we take those out and the points allowed that you that your offense gave the other team that your defense had nothing to do with do we take those out and try to create you know sort of a true point scored and a true points allowed do we try to do things that way that's i think that's also kind of interesting mm-hmm. there is yeah. something to be said for you know adding a layer of contextualization to things 
I can't remember. I want to say it was the Niners early in the season looking at their defense when they were not hurt. And I looked, I'm like, man, they really did not give up points. And then I went and looked at this game by game who scored against them. And like one of the touchdowns was a defensive touchdown. I'm like, and there it's even, you know, it, it, it further furthered my point. I'm like, Jesus, they really didn't give up points. I, I'm not hundred percent sure if it was the Niners, but I, I no, that's, that's it true. Was. That's hundred percent. It checks out. So like, yeah, if you can add some contextualization to things and, and really look at like the true numbers and, and, you know, like Lockie's saying none of, none of the stuff Lockie's saying is like fact or, you know, law. This is some stuff that you, you have to kind of make the decisions and draw some lines in the sand on how you want to do this and what you think is important and, and see how that works out with the numbers, I guess. Yeah. Right, here's, the other thing that was kind yeah, of crazy ahead, real, ahead, real quick. Yep. Like I looked at, I thought I started thinking about this and obviously we follow a lot of smart people who cover football. We follow a lot of people who have done a lot of data analysis in the analytics space. And obviously one of the funnier, like it's tongue in cheek in my opinion, but uh, you hear a lot of people say, well, defense doesn't matter. It's not predictive, right? It's more of a reflection of who you played, which made me look at the Python and be like, man, how can this be predictive with points allowed? is one of the two sure. defendant variables. Right. Like like points allowed, all that really is telling you potentially is like, yeah, I mean, some of it is is how good is your defense, but a lot of it is who did you play? Uh, and, you know, and so I think, and then that made me think like, yeah, well, you, you really got to look at opponents at that point. Hard. Yeah, like is, is points scored? Like, is that even predictive year over year? And so I just grabbed like the last five years and I was like, you know, what's the correlation year over year for points scored? And it's only 18%. So only you can only explain 18% of your points scored uh, in the following year based on how good your offense was the last the, the previous year. And this is for all teams over the last five years. And lots of those teams, they had continuity at coach, continuity at quarterback. And I was shocked at how little uh, signal was there. So I, I'm like really uh, like totally perplexed as to how this has much, sure. if any, signal, let alone well, and especially uh, you when know, you're early something in the so season. robust. Yeah, you know, you say you say look at their opponents, uh, and like so, you, at that point you have to assign some sort of valuation to the opponents they played. What if you're four games deep? You have no idea on some of these. Like, is this a good team or a bad team? We still don't know yet. There's a lot yeah. going on. Where you know, early in the season, it's it's so hard to even add that layer of context. So yeah, here's 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 uh, here's where I was going with all this, which is your part five, which was maybe my favorite of all the stable frauds. Oh, love it. I almost think that the Pythag is like it communicates much more the state of mind of the team itself from a team building standpoint than it does any kind of forward projection in terms of are you going to do better or worse the following year? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not, like, this so, might be, no, this I think might be so, but total, maybe not. Yeah. Total correlation, no causation. Well, how about this? Give me, how about this? Give me an example of what you're talking about where you think, give me a, give me a team where you feel like you would learn that thing from their Pythag that you wouldn't learn that. Give me an example of a team. Like last year, you could have looked at, uh, I don't know, like the, the 49ers Pythag and they, okay. they got four wins and they, they should have had like eight. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, these, you know, this team, you know, the team, the front office, all of them, they're like, oh, so two years what, ago, 49. Two years ago. Yeah. Like yeah. what, like what we're doing, yeah, the Niners like, what we're doing is what, you, what <laughs> right. Like what we're doing is working. What, yeah. what we're doing is, 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 is right. You know, they Nick, got, Nick they, like, Mullins wasn't working. That was the only thing that was working. right. Yeah. Like four, <laughs> like, yeah. Like four wins doesn't reflect how the, the strides we're making as this as a team. We believe in our coach. We believe in our system. We believe in the way we're drafting players. Like we're gonna, tra- you know, like the, like I feel like 
it, it's possible that the fact that they had four wins and they should have had eight, you know, kind of spoke more to their kind of the team building mindset that they had. Uh, and then similarly, you pointed out like the stable fraud angle where it's like, uh, you know, a team convinces themselves that they are potentially more of a contender than they are just on the basis of they made the playoffs. They got double digit wins. Everybody comes back. Maybe they even lost a couple of coaches due to, you know, like getting poached. Maybe they lost a couple of players because they couldn't quite afford them all. Right. Right. Like, like for sure. I I do think there's a possibility that the, that, you know, kind of in, it informs the mindset of the team building in a way that is either helpful or, or, or counterproductive. Sure. I would, I would think I would agree with that, you know, to, for the most part, I do think that you are bringing a lot of knowledge into that analysis that is not gleaned just from the Pythag. Like you, like you, in just that that short explanation, you mentioned the front office. I'm sure in your head you were thinking about the quarterback injuries. Like those are extra things that you have to bring into that analysis that aren't That's just revealed by the numbers. True. And That's so it does, true. there is probably an opportunity for there to be a lot of bias in that analysis because you're, again, we're all going to have teams we don't like. We're all going to have teams that we like. And, and if that seeps in a little bit, then like, does that taint the entire process that you're talking about? But I do, I want to, I want to kind of like maybe not take a step back or go back a couple of steps, but I want to just make sure that I think we're all talking about the same thing, but the, the listener might be like a little lost in terms of how we got from, from A to B to C to D. So basically <laughs> the, the, the Pythagorean expectation, which I kind of gave like, I, I mean, whatever, the best explanation I could in 30 seconds about what it was expected wins, right? Your point scored points allowed. What does that tell you about how many, what your team quality, how many wins sh- kind of should you have won? That's kind of a bad way to put it, but should you have won versus how many you actually won? That number is much, much, much more strongly correlated to your win total the next year than your actual wins. So if you won 13 games and your, you know, your Pythagorean expectation was 11 in the market next year, they will probably open your win total at 11. They will not open it at 13. The actual number of wins you had the year before. Let's assume like coach stays, quarterback stays. There isn't crazy, crazy turnover. Like there is, I think the average difference between how many games a team actually won and their win total the next season was I think like a little under two. Basically that was like the average number of wins was off either way. And then your Pythagorean expectation to your win total the next year, the average difference was like 1.15. So basically like the market is using, let's just be really clear about this. The market is using the Pythagorean expectation to maybe not set the win total for the next year. Cause again, like Brady goes to the Bucks, Haskins is going to play a full season. Like there's going to be, you're going to make alterations, but it's, that's the starting point I think to form the win totals. And that's why when you look at Houston and green Bay, who won a lot of games last year with way worse Pythagoreans, that's why, their win totals are so low. So I think that's like a key piece here is just the reason we're talking about this is, you know, Pythagorean informs so much of, I think, the initial like market shape of all of these teams. And it's crazy that something so basic and something that only uses points scored and points allowed as inputs can do really such a good job of shaping it that it can get it, you know, even as right as it gets it, as much as we shit on how off the win totals are like the fact that it even gets us there is, is kind of like a, you know, kind of an interesting part of this discussion, I think. That's yeah, and, a good point. And yeah. Not to say that the win totals are like, when we say the win totals are off, we're not saying the market is so incredibly off right now that, you know, you, you, like, like you said, two, two and a half games. Right. Well, we really don't know how it's off. That's the most important yeah, we, thing. Yeah, we just know it is. Two, two and a half right. games. We it's just know it is. Once we get to the end, we find out, like, a bunch of these are off two and a half games. And that's <laughs> right. a, a ton of stuff, which is completely, I, I would say, I mean, what percentage of it is, like, stuff that you're just not going to be able to predict or predict properly. You know, you you can put 
prices on quarterbacks that are likely to be more injured than, than other quarterbacks. And I'd say that's one of the biggest drivers and you can actually put some prices to that, but a lot of it's just like, man, you know, like Tom Brady takes it to the knee right away that one year, whatever year it was. Yeah, you know that that stuff that's about the price. That's going to bring two thousand nine. Was that oh eight? Yeah, oh eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just you know, wild things like that can can really throw one off and bring the average up quite a bit. And that's why the average is you know off by several several wins like that. Right. You you know, you're not going to be able to price that in at all. So the the fact that we're saying these are way off, it's it's not all that easy. But I think there are a few every year that you can say like. I mean, more times than not, this number is just high. Well, is, yeah. is it way what? off or is it way off? I think I think that's Andy makes a good point there, just to clarify. So where I'm not saying they're way there's a difference between their way off and their way off in a way you can predict. So like yeah. they're no, they're it's, it's they're just way off. It's not it's like the average error is large. And some of that you're just gonna say, Well, yeah, right now we don't know which quarterbacks are gonna get hurt. Like just look at last right. year, right? Roethlisberger basically doesn't play. Look what happened in Carolina. Like again, there's all these things where it's like, yeah, we don't we don't know that that's going to happen. Like we have we have no idea that that's going to happen. And that leads to some of the very large errors that you see priced in. So it's like, okay, well, if you remove quarterback injuries, are they a little smarter? Yes, but there's still, I still think there's some room there where, you know, like if we, if we can come up with kind of like some rules and some arguments, even like, you know, painting a really broad brushstroke, like we're doing, I still think we can allow people to make a little bit smarter decision, even with all of that uncertainty going on. Sure. No, that's a very fair point. And I, honestly, like the real way to attack the market in that regard is the alts we talked and you know we, we go back like three or four years on this um but you know the the distribution implied by the pricing of plus and minus one off of the main win total is not right <laughs> like it is implies way more precision uh on the median than actually exists if you look at the data pretty closely so right um yeah and uh, you know that the fundamental that that is a fundamental. The unders fundamentally having plus DV like that. Th- those are real. Like right. that, should we, should we talk about? Uh, um, and then should we talk about stable frauds a little bit? Because that's like well, think, yeah. I don't know. I, I I'd encourage people to read the uh, the, okay. the series. We'll, just, in its we'll tease them. What, we'll tease them with what, that. Yeah. Bit. What? Yeah. What was who, of, who's going to buy the milk? What was what was your favorite? Yeah. What was your favorite discovery of uh, of all the research and writing you've done so far on so, relative to so regular season totals? So there's a there's a Pythagorean thing that we should talk about that I, mean, I don't I wouldn't say it was my favorite but it was I had literally written two paragraphs about how this wasn't an angle anymore and then actually ran it again just perfect like exactly the Mario Kart example before I know this I'm so smart I don't I can just write these paragraphs I don't have to actually look this up and then I fucking I'm looked smart, it up smarter, I, I fucking looked it up and I changed the post. Like I literally had to write, I read, I had to write the post differently because <laughs> I was like, nope, never mind. Like I'm an idiot. Uh, and this goes back to some stuff we were talking about, right? Which is the thing that was the, I, don't, I wouldn't say the craziest, the takeaways thing is the craziest, but the thing that was the craziest, you know, tied for first for craziest was that with Pythagorean expectation, like people have been writing about this fucking forever. Like this is not, <laughs> You're going to be, some people are going to be listening to this and being, I really listened to this for an hour for someone to tell me that expected wins mattered. Like, really? Like, we're, that's really where we're going here? And I just, the thing I would just, I would emphasize is everyone knows about this, right? It's 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 on fucking pro football reference attached to every single team. <laughs> All understand what expected wins is. This is not a mystery news. To t- this isn't, what was the, Carmelo, whatever that fucking thing, 538. Sure. Like, again, this isn't oh, a raptor. Like, raptor. Yeah. This isn't some new yeah. shit. So like, but just again, it doesn't have to be new. 
It doesn't have to be new, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think, this yeah. is tried and true. Those are trash. Yeah. I was about to say a couple of players that they didn't think were going to be good. They were good. But anyway, that's that's for the NBA pod coming whenever we end up doing that. But like the the idea that something so old and so widely known can still matter so much and not just matter in terms of how the market gets set, how we talk about teams, maybe how people use some of their handicapping processes. Like it beats the market in such predictable ways. Still, it still does. Like, how is that possible? I literally wrote two paragraphs and I I swear to God, I did this because I forever, a friend of mine and I have always like when we were, you know, in our mid twenties, you know, late twenties, now I'm 35. Like we were betting win totals. Like I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue what I was doing, but I still knew what expected wins was. And one thing that we always looked at was, teams who had really large differences between their actual wins and their expected wins one way or the other. And we would always bet those teams to go over the next year or under the next year. Like if you were a six and 10 team and you were, your expected wins were nine. So you were actually probably a better team than your record indicated. We would bet you over the next year. And the funny thing is we didn't care what the number was. Like you could have said the number could have been 11. We were like, Nope, over. They got that. They got that expected win difference over. Like we got, and like, it was just blind betting that angle, blind betting it. Just if you, if you had a big difference in expected wins versus actual one way or the other, we played you over under, I was positive the more I looked into that, that was going to be the most bullshit thing. Like I remember being 25 and even then I kind of thought it was bullshit, but it was winning. So I didn't really care. And, and I looked into it and I really wrote two paragraphs of one of these posts saying about how it's not true. And then I actually looked into it and I was like, wow, oh, fuck. It's actually true. <laughs> like it's actually, it's actually still, it's just, it's, you could block it's So the, the create, I just want to kind of explain this a little bit more. So everyone knows what I'm talking about. If you have, a team that, again, let's say they won 10 games last season. Let's say their expected wins was 7.4. So they were actually not a very good team, but they won 10 games. Mm-hmm. Next year. At least two or three of those every year. Right. And this year it would be the Packers would be the number one example of that. So anyway, like, again, let's, well, let's take a team that people actually know about. The Packers last year, I think they won 13 with an expected wins of like 9.6. So again, like a huge negative difference. One of, actually one of the biggest we've ever seen in NFL history. I think some over three is very... Is historic. It does not happen very often. Anyway, they uh, you would play them under the next year, no matter what the number was. That's the rule. Like, imagine if you said, even saying that out loud sounds ridiculous. Because, like, what if the win total was two? Like, I mean, again, you're just like, <laughs> whatever the whatever the market win total is, we're playing Doesn't them matter. under. We're playing them under the next season because, goddamn it, they had the negative expected win difference. If you just do that. You win so much money, and you still do. <laughs> you still win. Like it's a, it's like the stupid. And the, here's the and just the last thing I'll say. And I've, I've, I've talked for a while. You guys, you guys can fill in some of the holes here. But the really crazy thing is, as we've already think about what we've already said. We've said that the market uses teams' previous Pythagorean win expectation. So like they look at expected wins. The like that is what is shaping the next year's win total. So like when Green Bay, I think. I want to say their expected wins was 9.7 last year, just off the top of my head. If they were 9.7 again. So what did we see the Packers win total open at? Like the market's not dumb. They didn't open them at 13 because they won 13 games last year. They had expected wins of 9.7. Where do we see them open? Nine and a half. Now it's driven down to nine. But like if the market, it got it right. Like the market picked the right number. It picked the expected wins number to open at as a starting point. Like it's crazy that you could still bet under and win like with that in like that shouldn't make any sense like that number should just be right it should just be 50 percent of the in time you're other right. sports too right. Right. 50% <laughs> of the time you're right. so there's like a residual there's like a residual effect 
that this is the best way I can put it. There's like a residual effect of outperforming or underperforming significantly the year before that somehow carries over the next year more than even your actual expected wins. Like somehow yeah. it's like, it's not regression. Like that's not the right word for it. Cause it's just not, but it's like you, not only do you not play like what you were really were last year, like if you were again, 10 win team, your expected wins were eight and a half. Not only the next year, do you not play like an eight and a half win team? You play way fucking worse than that. It's like the most odd thing. And it's consistent. I mean, this is for 20 years. We've been, it's just yeah. every year, like clockwork. It just, it happens every single time. That is to me, that is like, it is wild because it is kind of inexplicable. No, I think, no, the it's, it's more, it's uh you you've got it all you you were looking at all the puzzle pieces and you know it's a horse like the the delta informs the win but the delta is not capturing it's capturing most but not all of the signal right right exactly like it's right like there's something that expected wins is picking up that is greater than just expected wins right that's basically what you're saying like like it's it's like a you're shining a flashlight in the dark, but you don't see everything, but you see enough to know there's more there basically. Yeah, and you don't, you don't exactly. see the full picture, but you know, it's a picture of a team that's about to be way fucking worse than they were last year. Yeah. And the, one, like yeah, the ones with the big Delta or any, any decent sized Delta, like you said, it, it yeah. might be, it might be signal to something bigger. And I think uh, mentally it just changes a team's. There's gravity. Yeah. There's gravity. It, it, but isn't that stupid? There's yeah, momentum to it too. Like a team's like, oh, we're good. But that's such a won simple, 11 games last year. We're not changing much. That's such a simple like, form of analysis though. But just think about that. Like for the person listening right now, it like whatever your perception is of smart betting, I would imagine it involves some combination of like either information, smart information, like this guy's out tonight. So bet this number before it moves or you know, modeling or machine learning, all these like buzzwordy things now we hear in 2020 about creating very smart, sophisticated projections. I would imagine your concept of smart betting involves one of those two things, or maybe if you know about scalping and kind of like market awareness and grabbing rogue numbers, like maybe that's a part of what you think about smart betting. I would imagine you do not think about blind betting overs and unders based around expected, but like this is a winning, like it wins, it just wins. And it still wins and it's won forever. And I just, there's a part of me that like that conflicts with every, like my worldview of sports betting that conflicts so hard with that in so many ways. This is like a therapy session for you. No, really? No, I can give you you a dozen more examples in sports, Lockie. Like think about the NBA two games on the road. You lose both. You go home. Oh, and two, that first half number is inflated by three, four points. And it still hits, right? Like sure. that like the, kind of the, stuff. The, what was it? The Thunder first half playoff lines last year or whatever so, it was? Stuff like, like that is just, yeah. it's wild. Like, like the, what is perceived as the signal, you can, you, you really, you can't even capture it all. Like it's, uh, it, it, it defies, it defies, um, you know, quantification to a degree. Or at least well, and, with this And to a certain point, right? like your example there, you, can was sharpen the, this you know, the, the, the NBA first half and, you know, the next year NFL, like, you can only set that line so far in the opposite direction. Yeah, there's direction a gravity, before. right? There's like an anchoring you, you and a gravity that, you can't that will go, pull it back, right? Yeah, you you have to be aware of what the market's going to want and what the market's going to place bets on. Like, you, you might know that as a bookmaker, like, hey, even this is going to be a little high, but to, to the market, it might not yeah. be. Like, this we is still probably... We can't action on this. Yeah, yeah. we, we yeah. can't go so lopsided on this just in case. Like, we still need to put it at some sort of median projection here. 
Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think I think that's true. I think when you do these like weirdo, you know, blind betting strategies, which I would really never recommend in almost any way, except this one happens to work. Like the the thing is, like you don't know what the stop point is. So like sure. you're never gonna know when. So like the Packers win thirteen, their expectations whatever nine point seven. The win total is nine and a half. All right, now it's like nine juiced under. I think at most high limit places, what's what's enough? What's the right amount? <laughs> like is eight, is eight the right number? Is seven the right? Like again, that's where the black like you're never going to know when the market's actually caught up to this if you're just blind betting everything. Like you need to have right. some idea of what the right number is and whether it's right. been factored in. You can make an right. argument has been factored in for the Packers a little bit uh, in terms of like nine juiced under when they, you know, their pathetic last year was 9.7. Quarterback's sure. the same, coach is the same, kept most of the players. Granted, they again, we all know about the draft, but like, I don't know if you want to quantify that in a really meaningful way in a win total, but like you could, argue, you could argue that's enough. <laughs> like you could argue that's the right adjustment. It's yeah. just so funny that, so consistently year after year. And this isn't like in 2005, this went five and zero. Oh. like this worked last year. This worked two years ago. This it's, it's not, it's a recent, yeah. this is a recent winning thing. Again, that just, it's, that's still my, again, I, I feel like I've said the same thing 10 times in a row now. I just can't believe that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, how come the coach of the year market is still soft? Explain, riddle me that one. Uh, well, cause I'm, uh, nobody listens to me, I guess. Would be the right answer to that um, uh, it's still like a niche market. It's not like yeah. people are getting 50 grand down on coach of the year. Well, know? and here's the important thing. And this is, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a tie in here with all the stuff we've been talking about. Right. And I mean, for the most part, which is when you, when you read all the posts that I've written, or you listen to these guys tell you kind of these general things that doesn't necessarily mean you know what the right bets are that next season. Like there's a level of analysis that has to happen. And coach of the year is the same thing. Like I can teach you how to not make bad bets in coach of the year. I can eliminate half the field for you. Like right off the bat, I could just say, I could just say these 16 can't win. And what, uh, what are some of your criteria? And, and, but when I do that though, when I tell you these 16 can't win, you can't bet the other 16 and turn a profit. Like you still have That's to true. like That's make true. some yeah. decisions. So I think That's what true. we're really doing is, and even with the win total discussion and even with the Pythagorean discussion, I know it's like I've said the same thing over and over again, but I think the idea is just like, okay, like think about these bets and then like, let's bring in some other angles. Let's bring in some other analysis and really try to sharpen what bets we're going to make. So for coach of the year, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is coach of the end. We're just, we're trying to hard pivot here from expected wins to coach of the year. Uh, but like, you know, for people who don't know, yes, you can bet on coach of the year. Generally the market is basically shaped with pretty flat odds in terms of percent chance to win. So like your favorite to win coach of the year, for example, will generally not be less than let's say 10 to one, usually a little more than that. And your, your huge underdogs to win coach of the year will never be more than I think usually 50 to one Hugh Jackson. That's exactly right. Won a couple times. So like, again, like your guys who have maybe no shot, like Adam Gase, frequently a member of the 50 to one club going, going backwards. So I found a 55 <laughs> on Bill O'Brien. Yeah, so that that was one of the funniest parts about this year is that Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, for all the shit he gets, I mean, the market is just like, like when you're next to Adam Gase, I mean, that's just got to be like, why, like, what are we doing here? Like, let's just yeah, can Deshaun yeah. can Deshaun Watson get a better coach, please? So, no, but yeah, your point it. is your point is super relevant. No one is higher. No one this year has a higher implied probability than eight percent or a lower implied probability than two percent. Right. Exactly. So there's there's some. I think the you know there's, there's a bunch of twos we can cross off. Well, that's not actually true. I would actually cross off the eights before the twos. So like, well, no, uh, I think there's people ooh, on both ends. Right, like, right. I'm not. I agree with that. Doug Marone. There's not a price. 
Like a thousand to one? I don't I know. Get, really? I gave you a thousand to one on Doug Marone? I'm not going to take it. Actually, I'd put five really? bucks on that. Okay, you're right. Exactly. Anytime you, someone I'd offers you 10,000 to one, right. I was, I was, just, I was just trying to lure you into booking me on that. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I was going to say I'd have the PayPal in my email already if you really wanted to book that. So uh, Andy Molitor sent you $5. Caption Marone right now, 10,000. So the, I think, again, one thing to keep in mind about Coach of the Year, and why, again, I, I think I said probably pretty arrogantly I could eliminate half the field with, with, you know, ease basically just remember this about coach of the year. Basically coach of the year is an award for people that don't follow that award closely. Cause I mean, honestly, like it's presented during NFL honors. You're probably not paying attention really who cares who the coach of the year is. Jason Garrett has won this award before. So like, again, it just, it, it's not, there's no legitimacy behind any of this. Um, the, the coach of the year award is not about who the best coach is. I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind because I think we know who the best coaches are. Like we know Belichick's one of the best coaches, maybe the best coach of all time. We know John Harbaugh's a really good coach. Again, we know these things. Uh, the, the coach of the year award is about a dramatic year over year improvement in some area. Mm-hmm. And I say in some area because it's usually wins, right? It's usually the stat I think I had last year was the last 20 seasons uh, more. It was actually the last 30 seasons, 1990 or 91 to now, basically. Uh, the average year-over-year win improvement for the coach of the year winner in, in terms of, the, you know, maybe before they took over or whatever. Last year to this year, six wins. So you have to improve. You're looking for a team that you think has the chance to improve by five and a half to six wins on average. Some have been more than that. Some have been less. But, like, that's about what you're looking for. So that's when we number. say that, when we that say six wins. some 13-win teams. Yes. It, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so when I say With average six wins, yeah. right, exactly. Like, you might say – well, wait, like Bill Belichick has won the award a bunch, like three, he's won three times actually. Like, how is that possible? And to have that stat still be true. Well, each time he won, they actually improved by four wins every year, all three oh, years wow. that he won. And one of the years that he won, they went 16 to no. Guess how many wins they had the previous year? 12. So like the, it still takes that for him to win. And he's the best coach of all time. So like, and it's usually measured in wins. Sometimes there are very rare instances where like, accomplishment is recognized more than win improvement. So like Bruce Arians leads the Cardinals to their first playoff appearance in forever. That's okay, like cool. a secondary, that's like a secondary tiebreaker kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I would even argue like, I think last year. So just again, in full disclosure, I was heavy, heavy on Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan last year and number, my number like had the most money by a mile on him to win from before the year was very mad that he did not win. And John Harbaugh won. Cause I thought, Shannon, like they won like 10 more. Like, what are we even talking about? And the Ravens won 10 games last year. <laughs> like, with, like yeah. this, like, well, but, but they both still Bruce Arians wins. Right. Like both they, of those were kind of weird, you know, just yes. like when he took over in Indy and he won, you know, eight, nine games for him and, you know, part of a season. And then the Cardinals thing, I don't know what the Cardinals were the year before that, but it, I, I felt like they were an okay team. Yeah, I can. I don't. I, I have the chart here somewhere, but I'll try to bring it up. But like the uh, the idea basically is. Oh, I do have Coach of the Year. So you were asking about so 2012 Arians won. They won nine the year before and won eleven, and he won. That was the playoff year. That was that they hadn't made the playoffs in forever. So that's like the sort of the peripheral thing that was going on. There was also not a good candidate that year besides him, which is another gotcha. aspect of it. But I think again, in yeah, general, what you kind of want to look for is who has the likelihood to improve by a lot. So John Harbaugh, again, like I give John Harbaugh shit, like they won four more games than they did the year. Like they didn't win. They didn't win the same number of games. Also like, again, residual stuff. He's already regarded as a really good coach. He is sort of credited with bringing in Greg Roman to develop the offense for Lamar Jackson. So like, again, there's like this residual kind of like storyline about the Ravens where it was probably really close between him and Shanahan and 
they had a, you know, they'd had a slightly better season basically. And even that still fits kind of the criteria we're talking about. So when you're, when you're looking at coach of the year and you're looking at the board, the mistake that the market makes all the time is they take the coaches who won a lot of games the last year and make them the favorites. And think about what we're talking about. We're saying, we're saying the teams you want to identify are teams who can win a lot more games than they did the year before on average. So if you were looking for teams that fit that profile, you would start with bad teams. You would actually start with like bad to average is kind of like the sweet spot, basically like six, seven, something like that, like teams that have the likelihood to improve a lot. And it's not crazy. Like if you take a 10 win team and say like, that's my choice for coach of the year. Like, what are you saying about what they have to do in order for that coach to win the award? Like, that's wild. Meanwhile, if you have like a six-win team or somebody like the Niners two years ago where the wins weren't necessarily representative of how good they were, that's a much more like, like you can get to 10 so easily. Teams win 10 10 games, 11 games all the time in the NFL. Teams don't win 15 games all the time. Team don't win 14 games all the time. But the market still prices the coaches like the ones, you know, Sean McVay the year after they went. So last year, McVay, takes the Rams to the Super Bowl, then goes into last year, he was the favorite to win coach of the year. Like, what would they have to fucking do for him to win? Like, first of all, he'd already won the award, but also, what would, like, they'd have to go 16-0 and 0 for him to win. Like, what And what, then, what like, and then, like join the Avengers and save the world after the Super Bowl. <laughs> sure. Like, something, yeah. Sean like McVay endgame, yeah. I mean, it would just end, be... Sean McVay endgame, yeah. No, And we, we talked about this, and Whale and I had a little bit of a back and forth on this, and it's like, man, if you take, like, I like you said, we know who the best coaches are. And right. but but the fact that they had good seasons last year, like if you take Andy Reid, you take Shanahan. I mean, who who are my examples? Harbaugh, Reid, and another one. And then I said, let's say you take all them, and then you take someone, and we'll get to Mike McCarthy. You take those four four. You know, we know three of those coaches are great. We don't know all that much about how Mike McCarthy is working out in Dallas, and it might just be a fluke, and it might be more on the offensive coordinator, who I think is a lot better than people give him credit for. But if all four of those teams, let's say that New Orleans was my other one, New Orleans, Eight, Kansas yeah, City, Eight, Baltimore, and the Cowboys all win like 12 games. They all score like 450-plus points. Like in no world is that going to anybody but Mike McCarthy because all the other teams were really good teams last year. They all, you know, they all have Super Bowls under their belts. Like they're all, they're all stud teams that didn't improve all that much. Like, yeah, whole hum. They won 12 games again, but look what the Cowboys did. Or, and you brought up another, another good point was like that. It's almost like super random. Like if you have a bad, if you have a bad quarterback injury the year before, on a decent team, like you should be leader in the clubhouse going into the next year. Right. Like, and, and that makes me think about a coach. I don't actually all love all that much, but like Mike Tomlin, like just based off how they did last year, if they're a halfway decent team, he's going to be in the conversation, be like, Oh boy, like Tomlin's doing a hell of a job. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's not actually, it's right. Just, you know, they win 10 games play, like every yeah. fucking season, right? You know, that it's, yeah, it's like, well, you know, they had such right. terrible quarterback play last year and they won eight games, but you know, if they win 11, 11 games or something, like he's absolutely going to be in the conversation through no fault of his own. Right. And think about what we're saying, right? We're not, we're not trying to, we're not sitting here telling you, I know that guy's going to win, right? We're not doing that. But what we are telling you is that the the fundamental way the market is formed is incorrect. <laughs> like, like the market is, and, and this year, I think you see in some of the pricing, a little bit of acknowledgement of that. I mean, definitely more than the last three years. So maybe we are having somewhat of an impact in terms of who the favorites are, but like, 
we're we're telling you that the favorites should be the dogs and the dogs should be the favorites. So even if we can't tell you exactly who the coach of the year is going to be, that seems like a market you might want to be interested in betting on. Like when the favorites are dogs and the dogs are favorites, that's like, again, we don't know who's going to win the game, but we kind of know that everybody should actually be flipped price wise. Like that's pretty valuable information to go into to a betting market with. So let me ask you though, specifically on, on some of these players who, or some of these coaches who you think may have value. Um, McCarthy specifically, I think I, I want to start there because I got to tell you, I know I never place a coach of the year bet on a team that is favored to win the division because I feel like the, the Delta in terms of, of, um, voter impression is not good enough, right? Like you're going to get to the end of the year the right now the Cowboys are favored to win the East. If we get to the end of the year and the Cowboys won the East, they did their job, right? I don't see that as enough of um, an improved impre- impression that he's improved unless he does something really spectacular like win 12 games like Andy postulated, which makes me think there may be a better way to attack a market like, uh, you know, a market like most points scored. You can get 12 to one on the Cowboys there. And I feel like, if the Cowboys 12 games, I'm I'm excited potential. You know, the the coaching decisions you're getting out of McCarthy vastly greater than whatever you got out of um, Garrett last couple of years. And, you know, I, I, I feel like there's a, a chance to attack a number like 12 to 1 on Cowboys most points scored. That's a better likelihood than McCarthy at 14 to 1. Am I nuts? Uh, I mean, yes, yes and no. Like, I, if I was going to pick which one to bet, because like the Cowboys in order to score the most points probably have to be like in the mix for the best team in the NFL, at least let's put it that way. Like they have to be in the mix for let's say top three teams in the NFL. If they're going to score the most points, McCarthy can win coach of the year and they could be like 11 to 12 wins, like in the right kind of season. Like, I really think that that could happen. I actually think the same thing's true that this year, one of the reasons why this year is actually very unique is the three favorites are all actually kind of interesting. Now, Belichick is sort of like a weird kind of interesting. They win a million games every year. Obviously, they make the quarterback change. How many games does he have the, to win? The narrative would be so strong, right. though, if he did uh, it with Stidham. Your like, top two picks are the Brady teams. It. Right, your top two yeah. picks are the Brady teams, where Arians has won the award twice already. Tampa was like a super up-and-coming team. They fit the profile perfectly, and they had Brady. Like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But my thing with Arians is like, how is he winning when that team is good? Like how is he being how is he being acknowledged for his effort in turning the team around when Tampa succeeds? Tom Brady gets all the credit when Tampa succeeds. Like there's no, there's no, oh my God, Bruce Arians did it again. Yeah, he had the best quarterback of all time. Like that's why they did it. Whereas yeah. like Belichick to me is a much more likely candidate in terms of again, like this is a narrative award. It's voted on by the freaking Associated Press, people who write narratives. Like this is a narrative <laughs> award. So again, like of the of those favorite groups, which is Belichick Arians 12 to 1, McCarthy 14 to 1. Like, I think Arians is probably the biggest toss out. The other two have like a little bit of consideration. But to get back to your point about Dallas real quick, like it's no secret that a lot of people like Dallas this year, right? Like when total opens gets jammed up immediately, huge, huge Pythagorean difference. We talked about that earlier between last year and this year, they were an eight win team that should have been a 10.6 win team. Like you just never see that upwards and that range. You basically, there's almost no precedent for that in NFL history, a team winning like seven, eight, nine with a Pythagorean of like 11. It's like two examples in the last 20 years. By the way, one of them was actually, I think the Eagles the year before they won the Super Bowl. So like the, 
the there's just there's just it's just oh, the baby. team to inherit. <laughs> but again, but this isn't a mystery. Like Dallas is getting bet a lot. It's not we don't have this edge that no one else has. Everybody knows this. And McCarthy's, you know, kind of rightly one of the favorites to win the award. Like that being said, there's just a tremendous potential here for them to achieve a lot this year pretty e- like the likelihood they win 12 is much higher than a lot of these teams likelihood they win 12 and that's going to get it like they win 12 i think he wins the award a very high percentage of the time right and again yeah. like win total is already like 10 we're creeping up even more than that like the but, market expectation you, here is very is very high you said it like, better than i did on okay. this like the we had we had this argument earlier about like the Dallas to score the most points. And like, I guess you said it better than I could when I tried to say it earlier, like they don't need to leapfrog all the teams. They don't need to be the best team at, at any one given thing right. for him to win the award and, you know, to be the highest scoring team, they need to be the highest scoring team. They need to leapfrog a bunch of good offenses. And, and still to the, to Will's point, I think it's going to be a very good offense. It could be an, a very electric offense. That's one of the reasons I liked them. I liked them early. I still like them, but yeah, they, they can be, you know, an 11 win team, they can just be a top 10, 12 team in the league. And he probably wins it just based on that. And you know, the only way that goes away is if something wild happens with like, Oh, I don't know. Let's say the, you know, Stefanski or Kingsbury really, really rips in, in their uh, situations. Yeah. I don't know if there's think, a lot of guys. But, who but can, think about what we just said. Like, I want to bring back something we said earlier in the conversation because I think it actually is really funny here. With like, think about what I mean. Again, we we've been doing this podcast for almost like ninety minutes now, right? Like the first hour of this podcast, we basically devoted to the fact that teams that finish like up, you want to play them down. Teams with high win totals, you want to play them down, and teams with low win totals, you want to play them up. Like we basically made a big deal of saying you play everybody towards the middle. You bridging this and and <laughs> Dallas is like the perfect from a win total standpoint. Dallas is an under team. Like they just are. They feel like they like they they have a win total that's extremely high now where the tendency is for those teams to perform money. Like yeah, we're talking about giving yourself a reason to bet high win, high win total teams under and now and then we're turning around and saying I love Dallas over. Like I don't gonna... love Dallas over at all in the win total market. I will never have a ticket on Dallas to go over because if they blow... to that degree then he's probably winning coach of the year or you're hitting points or you're hitting something that's, or, or by the way, how about just bet them to win the fucking Super Bowl? Because if they go over their win total, they're probably have a really good chance to be a buy team. One of the, well, yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, thing. the win total, yeah. the win total pays like minus minus one ten. Right. There's that coach of the year, team, coach though. of the year pays right. incredibly better. Right. But I mean, you would still have, again, they'd, okay. They'd be the two and they'd host the first two games. Again, like it's just, there's, there's like, when they go over that win total, what does that mean? And is there a better way to take advantage of that? That's what you're saying with points and with McCarthy to win coach of the year. And I'm, I'm saying kind of the same thing, but also like, is there a world in which you bet McCarthy to win coach of the year and Cowboys under and like almost aim for a mid, like it's like a Polish middle, basically <laughs> like we're like, oh, yeah. let's go that. slightly over basically. But I just mean like, these are two angles. I, that, like, I'm willing, I'm willing to make a case. I'm willing to make a case for their Pythagorean was saying over though. You, we brought up that. Oh right? yeah. 100%. They, they have a very guess, large. Guess, what is, what is, Pi, what is Pythagorean based on? It's based on points scored, right? <laughs> would you 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 would not you would not believe how much they underachieved on points scored last year and this is even beyond their wins underachieving their points scored was a massive underachievement last year they had the the cowboys offense gained more yards last year than any team in the last five years but they were not in the top five of points scored 
inexplicably. And last year's point scored winner, Baltimore Ravens, 531. Cowboys had 434. So they were off by 100 points, even though they gained more yards on offense than the Ravens. Okay. And I was like, I was, when I did all the numbers, I was like shocked. I was like, man, I knew they underachieved, but I didn't realize like that the real, you know, the, the issue was they were gaining yards, like no problem, but not converting its points. And I was like, man, what was their Z score relative to that just straightforward regression, right? Like they're like the correlation between yards gained and points scored is like almost 80%. Like it's a very, very strong correlation. No duh. Everyone would have guessed that, right? Yeah, yards are good the, for scoring. <laughs> yards are good for scoring points. And I was like, well, what was their Z score relative to, uh, you know, the, the all of the data in the last five years? It was minus 1.5. So they finished a one and a half standard deviations below expected point scored given how many yards they gained. And if you look at all of the teams in the last five years that scored over, uh, you know, that scored over 400 points, they're the only negative one. Like it is, if you are scoring big, if you are scoring actual points and you are almost certainly like lucking your way over the regression, you're not falling under. And it is, I was like, I fell out of my chair because I was like, they realistically, they should have scored 500 points pretty easily last year. Um, and I was, you know, I was also shocked at like how unstable this is year over year as a predictor. So like, there's obviously a bunch of randomness in this. And I gotta tell you, like, I, I, they added more on offense as far as you know, as far as weapons go. Their defense has taken an enormous step backwards. Like, they're if they're going to be winning games, they're going to be doing it because they're outscoring their opponents. Like, I, I feel like it is the absolute perfect recipe for. Um, you know, highest points scored. And I feel like they could go eight and eight and still score, you know, set a record for most points ever scored because well, they, I don't know if they, they, they could concede. High, but yeah, right. they, yeah. Could concede right. uh, they could concede the most points ever. Like it's right. not so, out of the realm of possibility. But the points, so the points thing's really, I should have meant something I said. I said Dallas has the profile of an under team because their win total is 10. They also have the Pythagorean difference, which would lead you to believe they're going over. So it's not, you're getting mixed signals. They're not actually, they don't necessarily, based on what we've talked about, they're not like. Yeah, you're getting forces pulling both ways. Right. And to right, be exactly. fair, yeah. I bet, you know, I bet Dallas over nine. Right. In like February. Well, fuck so you. This is <laughs> lucky you. you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, right. you know, if, if you like a team a lot, well, I, I bet them like over. The, you know, eight, we say so these there. don't yeah, move. Right. Yeah, we say these don't move. Well, I mean, I mean, I paid like minus thirty, but still, like, I'm just like nine. Nine's not a good number. This should be nine and a half at least. So here's my only thing, though, Will. Like, and, and again, all of that is incredibly interesting. And yes, Dallas is like I mentioned that their Pythagorean difference with like sort of the eight to ten, like that type of profile we've never seen. You bring up the points thing. We've never seen a team like that. My my problem is it's not like we're like telling our viewers are like, Hey, I got a, I got a tip for you. You know, who's going to be really good this year, Dallas. And it's like, not, it's like they're, they're getting bet into oblivion. <laughs> like it's not, this isn't a secret. So it just, even if we're doing it for different reasons than everyone else is doing it, everyone's doing the same thing. So I just, I don't like, is there value left in any of this stuff? And again, like McCarthy, like the coach of the year thing is kind of a separate discussion, I guess, but like points and Super Bowl and wins. It's like, yeah, like they're going to be good. Everyone thinks they're going to be good. So, like, is there a lot of value in that type of analysis that we just went over? Good point. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I just, I feel like 12 to 1 on most points is is where I'm going to land. And I just felt it was priced. I thought that was priced appropriately with the amount of just the offenses that you have to leapfrog. Because, well, man, you can, you can, you can have, you can have such a good season 
and still be like the fourth best highest scoring but team. And then course. they, and then Strong every other, th- every other way to cash Dallas cashes. And I, j- I just, I think that one's so random. I just think it's so random. Well, like, that's right. I the, hate, the thing is that I hate the, some of these, you, like, the, I hate these props but, with, uh, like highest, highest, uh, receiving course, yeah, yards, highest, longest rushing yards. Those are, those are awful markets to my mind. I, <laughs> I hate those because they, they, they just, they lead themselves to so much randomness and especially in a, t- a team scoring, like, yeah, like okay. you had those, you know, being off by that much. Like I don't, I, I'd have to see something to say that, you know, other teams that finished with negative Z scores, that it was predictive. Forward went positive facing. next year. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Cause, cause sure. I just, but I, I, I can tell you the opposite. So much random. I can tell you with that. So I, can tell you with, I can tell you with certainty, the opposite is true that the teams with the positive Z scores come back to earth the following season. And that is the team. Who would those be? That would be your, uh, your, hang on, your Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Your uh, New Orleans Saints and your Kansas City Chiefs. All three teams that you would think you would have to jump to get to that number one scoring. So when you, when you say regression or when you say those, those teams fall the next year, is that how are are you measuring that in expected wins or are you measuring that in regular wins? I'm measuring no, no. I'm measuring that specifically in points scored. Oh, okay, specifically they, in points, they, they which, all, which is they, which they I mean, has out, an effect on record, obviously. But right, yeah, they all out. Uh, they they outscored their yardage gain by you know by one and a half to two standard deviations. So they're I'm 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 telling I'm expecting that they're going to come back to earth. Is there one uh, of those and, teams specifically that you like to go under? Not really. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. Neither do I. Well, who, yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore, Kansas, Baltimore. I'm, I'm, Baltimore. I'm, yeah, Baltimore, Kansas. City I'm looking for Orleans, some Baltimore so. regression just because it was such a. Oh, I like New Orleans under action a little bit. Unconventional offense that I think those just narrative, you know, real anecdotal for me is stuff like that tends to regress quicker. Sure, mm-hmm. but uh, so I just I, just to to pivot back to Coach of the Year really quick because I mean that was the tangent of tangents a little bit with McCarthy. Like I just think. You know, we're we're sort of talking about like you know which teams yeah, sure. have if not, if not McCarthy, who? <laughs> right? Which team? So I think you know what we're trying to answer with Dallas. What you're trying to answer with those three offenses? We're looking for indicators, right? You're looking for indicators that say this team's going to be better next year. You're looking for indicators that this team's going to be worse. Are there other you know coaches who have profiles that have indicators that maybe their ceiling is very high, which would lead to like a coach of the year type run. That's like sort of the, the question that we're trying to answer teams that maybe didn't win a lot for a variety of reasons. Maybe they made a coaching change. Maybe they didn't. Um, but for whatever reason, this year's team maybe looks a little different. Maybe the market isn't even expecting them to do really well. Matt Nagy with the bears, like for sure. Nobody expected that like the year he won, you know, optimism oh was, was high, but you know, I had him big that year to be honest. And and it came through and like, I, you know, maybe I got lucky, whatever, but uh, you know, which teams kind of look like that. That's what we're trying to answer. Right. So, you know, let's kind of think through again, like we didn't even really do the toss outs, but like you're tossing out Andy Reid, you're tossing out Kyle Shanahan, you're tossing out John Harbaugh, you're tossing out Mike Vrabel, you're tossing out Sean McDermott. You're tossing to- I mean, Again. Yeah, exactly. You're tossing out Bill O'Brien. Like yep. again, like, yeah, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Their Pythagoras. Yeah. They won like what they won 11 last year, 10. So like, again, you're tossing yeah. Sean McVay. Like again, you're tossing, tossing Sean Marone, toss Matt rule. Those toss guys Pete, are finishing to- at the bottom. Toss Pete, toss Pete yeah. Carroll. Well, let's, let's save those guys to the side for a second. Let's do the toss outs of the good teams. So okay. like, those are all the toss outs for the good teams. Right now. Okay. What you also don't want is like the total miserable fucking rebuild. <laughs> like that's also, yeah, right. that's like, those right. guys are like, you look at la- like, again, you look at, you know, last year, year before, those guys priced at the bottom where it was like, well, we were two and 14 and we drafted a rookie like 
yeah, like that's not exactly, again, the, the coach of the year, the previous year, their team averages about seven wins between six and seven wins. They don't average two wins. So you, you need mm-hmm. a team with some inkling of something where it's at least like, you know, a staircase basically in college football. You see this all the time, right? A team, you know, they'll win two games, they'll fire their coach. Next year they win four. Then the goal is to go to a bowl game. Then the goal is to, you know, achieve some great thing. That was basically Matt Rule at Baylor to a T, actually. And you want a team that's about to make the last step. You don't want a team that's making the first step, basically. The the teams that you should sort of think about, okay, I would think a lot of people right now are thinking like, okay, who are those teams? They're trying to think of them in their head right now. I would bet you come up with Stefanski, and I bet you come up with Kingsbury, and I actually hate both. (laughs) So um, I actually think like, I kind of think, I kind of think both are terrible coaches. I actually kind of think they're both <laughs> terrible coaches. And, and they're also like they're for what you're paying, like they're among the favorites right now. Like I actually, again, in my own projections and that kind of stuff, this is where you bring in again, I can eliminate the good guys and these are the guys that are left. And then you have to make decisions. I would rather have a bunch of guys before I took the, like, I don't, not only do I not trust these two guys, my projections for both teams, like I actually, I project Arizona to be about what their win total is. They're, they're like seven steamed way over, I think right now. And I think I have them like 7.2 or something. And then the Browns, I actually have under this year, like a lot, to be honest. Um, but like, again, Stefanski, if you, if you happen to believe like he's that guy, he at least fits the profile for where we have. So like some guys that stand out to me though, I like, I would really, really think about Ron Rivera, actually. Like, he's a guy that immediately stands out to me. So there are all kinds of reasons why the Redskins have been shit. And a lot of that was Gruden, and a lot of that is just the personnel in general and who they were playing at quarterback. And some of it was not their fault with Alex Smith's leg injury and all that stuff and who they kind of went to battle with last year. But, like, you're getting... I don't know, like a pretty good price on Ron Rivera. He's 33 to one right now. He's among the biggest long shots on the board. He's won the award twice already. They did not win very many games last year. They have a quarterback going from their rookie year to their second year and a lot of young players who aren't for sure going to get better, but there's at least like ceiling potential there. I would much rather have Rivera at 33 than like Cliff Kingsbury at 16 or something like that. So I just think from a value standpoint, both these guys fit the profile, but like I'm getting a much better return on one than the other. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Rivera made Rivera stuck out to me too. I think the I think the Redskins um, wins over is where I'm going to attack them because sure. I don't. Know I would agree that with that. I, I don't know that they can beat. I don't think they can beat Dallas to win the NFC East. But if they if oh. but that's the sort of thing. If they do, if they go ten and six, if they win the tiebreaker, win the NFC East, that's it. Slam dunk, Rivera. Period. Right, and you can that, make an that argument is exactly it. You can make the same case for Joe Judge. It's just kind of like, who do you trust more? Like, you look at the, I the, don't the trust rosters. And, I, don't yeah, I don't trust, trust nope. Judge for but it. But it's the same profile. <laughs> like, it's an identical, it's quarterback going from rookie year to sure. second year. It's, you know, yeah. same division, coach change, extremely long price. Like, there again, like, there's, you know, how many people went into the year Matt Nagy one being like, oh, fucking Matt Nagy. It's like, how are they going to do that? Or like Sean McVay when they won like two games the year before. And then again, it's just like yeah. this. You're you on some level, you have to kind of just be like, well, the profile is the profile. I don't care what the name is. That's it. But then on an, on another level, like you, I don't know, you kind of have to do bring in some analysis. It makes it very tricky to kind of be like, if you hate a guy, <laughs> like that's, 
Like that's tough because like, tough. I, don't, I don't know if that's a good reason to not bet on someone. Like if you don't yeah. like Joe judge and that they hired him, is that a good reason to not bet him coach of the year when he checks all the boxes of teams that usually win coach of the year? Like that's a tough one. Well, and or, then you, or the team, like throwing out the, like throwing out the fact that you're betting on the Redskins to do something like that's sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow. Sure. But again, it, it, it checks the boxes. He's, right. He's pro- He's won it. I mean, he won it when they won their 15 games. I'm almost he's sure. Right. He won it twice. How about this? How about this? For this fun fact. <laughs> won, won the award. How about this? Won the award. Was terrible the next season. One coach of the year. Was terrible the next season. Then won 15 games and went to the Super Bowl and won it again. Uh, like, he how set do you it get- up. How do you get credit for the improvement that you caused by being bad? Like, I don't understand. Well, now like, you're, you, yeah, now you're that's making why it's such a, they, now you're they such a shitty award. Because they, they won 15, 15 games. That's the answer to that question. But like, Because yeah. when you win 15 games, you just fucking win coach of the year. That's how it works. That's why but it's like, a terrible award. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I, again, so and some of these other, I mean, let's toss out, I would say let's toss out a few more guys. Like, I think I'm tossing out Dan Quinn because they were just in the middle last year. And I don't think they can have, like, Again, like the type of improvement required, would he ever yeah, win it? Like there, there, people are used to. Here's a here's another thing to think about. People are used to the Atlanta Falcons winning a lot of games. So yeah, Zimmer falls when, in that category too. Right, even yeah, a year when they don't, when they do the next year, like does Dan Quinn get the like? They've already they went to a Super Bowl. Like they've won a ton of games the last eight ten years. So I just again like the expectation is high, even if they did not win a lot of games the previous year. So I, I think there's something interesting there too. Yeah. It, again, you're, you the more you well, yeah, there's some perception. Guys, there's perception around him. Right. The same thing, like Zimmer, that's a whole different criteria. You can't. No one has ever won the award who got fired midseason. So I, you know, right there, I'm throwing Zimmer out. <laughs> can you can you make a can you make a case can you make a case for Brian Flores, who's becoming kind of a media darling just for sure. the way he's handling the social moment? Uh, they might have been too bad last year for me to like say they're going to make that leap this year. Does I mean? Yeah. Let me ask you, like Tua. Let's say Tua doesn't start the season at quarterback. Let's say he comes in, whatever, plays eight games this year or something like that. Sure, wouldn't isn't Brian Flores like your earmarked coach of the year bet for next year, basically? Like, isn't yeah. that just like the yeah. most obvious, yeah. like Tua going year one to year two, another year removed from the hip injury, like yeah. Patriots gradually getting worse with Brady leaving. Like it's all just kind of, we should, we should timestamp like this. We're, we're, there, we're there. We're just, it's in advance. It's just, <laughs> no, it's, but I mean, let's predict Brian Flores's price. I mean, he's like a 16 to one price next year. Right. Yeah, that's, that's where he call. fits. He's yeah. somewhere in the fourteen to eighteen. He'll like, be one. We're gonna have to write this down and remember this. Somebody he'll be among the bottom ten. And I'll I'll give you another one. I think the Jets are going to be really bad this year and finally fire Gase. And I will absolutely bet whoever their replacement is to win Coach of the Year next year. Ooh, that's interesting. Like, that is that is like I think Gase is one of the worst coaches we've ever had. <laughs> I think he's like, and I say we like humans. Like he's just one of the worst coaches. We've <laughs> the, ever human, had. the human, the yeah. human fucking race. <laughs> think about all the bad coaches in the history of humankind. Coaches of all okay. kinds. And well, leaders of men. And he's just, yeah. I mean, among among the worst. So again, again like they're going to have an okay amount of talent. They'll have Darnold pretty young on the rookie contract. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he blows it again. They replace him with anyone competent. That is a, that is a guy. I don't, it doesn't even matter who it is. Could be anybody. What, basically. what if it's Jason Garrett? 
Jason, you mean Coach of the Year, Jason Garrett from a few years ago? That 2016 right. Coach right. of the Year. I believe that's. Yeah, I'm sure. I wonder if that's on his resume. Do you think that's like the top line at this point? Because there's just after elevating else. Daniel Jones's right. performance so that the Giants win the NFC East and Joe Judge wins Coach right. of the Year, Jason <laughs> yeah. Garrett moves across town to coach right. the Jets and wins Coach of the Year. There, Every, everyone with a medical degree makes you call them Doctor. Jason Garrett's like, ah, oh, can you please call me Coach of the Year, Jason Garrett? I'd really appreciate that. Oh, man. Let All me right, bring well, up one more guy. Let me bring up one yeah, more guy. Because we we've talked about Coach of the Year way too long. Let's go. Uh, I love coach of the year though. I do too. It's just really fun to think about. Let me give you one more guy who I actually thought about last year at 50 and I had a little bit on him. And now this year people really like this team as this exact type of team, six, seven wins last year, talent, a reason for being bad last year. What are your thoughts on Matt Patricia to win coach of the year? Like mm. that to me, like I'm not, I'm like, again, here's a guy I'm really not sure should ever be an NFL head coach based on what we've seen so far. Then again, his quarterback did break his back last year and not play the Yeah, what was their pie So like uh, they're, they have one of the biggest plus margins ever. Their plus margin is three. They won three games and they should have been a six win team. Um, yep. yeah. So like, you know, Man. I get it just it, like, it's, it's a big it's, number. They, he's 33 to one. So he's one of the longer shots on the board. Their team fits the profile perfectly. They, again, you're assuming a full health season of Stafford, but I mean, you're also getting 33 to one. You're not betting them over the win total at like, you know, minus whatever. And I, you know, again, they, they fit the profile. It's just, it's, it's so funny. You, you, your brain just immediately goes to this logical conclusion of, could I really picture coach of the year, Matt Patricia, based on everything we've seen so far, but could you have pictured coach of the year, Jason Garrett? Could you, you know, prior to McVay's emergence when he was, OC in Washington for a few years and 22 years old or whatever. Could you have pictured coach of the year, Sean McVay? Like that's why these things come out of nowhere to a certain extent. Mm. Well, Matt Patricia is basically co- he's basically co- he's basically right. co-favored yeah. for uh, <laughs> right. He's basically co-favored for first coach fired. True. Uh, yeah, I, I mean that makes a lot of sense. The whiff of the whiff of mute the whiff of mutiny is in the air in Detroit. You sure. Know? Like they're not that far from quitting on him in terms of the team. So I'm a, I'm a little hesitant. I'm, I also don't know how I'm getting. No, no. When you have the rookie of the year running back. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> Swift. Uh, I don't know. So okay, well, so let's so let's, well, let's let's finish this topic with this. You have to bet one person on the board right now. Who would it be? Well, why don't you go first? Mm. You can I'm just say Mike McCarthy. It's okay. No, I'm gonna go. Hey, let's Rivera. do not McCarthy because go we're all betting McCarthy. Yeah, I'm going yeah. Ron Rivera at 33 to one. Oh, I, like, I, I like. I like. I like. Okay, I'll let you have Rivera. I'm gonna take. Uh, I'll take Brian Flores in case he does well enough and, and sure. steals the East. Maybe two is I, amazing I too. Yeah, yeah, amazing. maybe two is yeah, two could be amazing. I, I, Dolphins could win the East. I don't think that's crazy. And if yep. you can get him twenty five to one, I'll take Flores for twenty five to one. Andy, <laughs> you guys not leaving me with much because yeah, I'm, I'm betting McCarthy. They have, win. I have, I have <laughs> McCarthy. some McCarthy. Okay. I'm probably just okay. should, should I add to my Steelers and just take Tomlin at twenty eight to one. Oh man, See, you and I, I mean, are, if we get to this in this podcast, this podcast might go seven hours at this point. But if we <laughs> if we do get to that topic, you and I are going to be in direct conflict on that team this year. Ooh, so, boy, and I mean, no, I mean, like good. as, and maybe maybe that means we talk about Tark next. Maybe that's what we do. But no, I just I, I think they're highly they're a volatile team. They are volatile. Oh, the defense, that's true. Steelers, yeah, we, Steelers are they're not winning eight games next de- year. Yeah. They're Their thirteen or five. Back, yeah. So if I offered you a bet, Steelers don't win eight games. You would we would we should make that bet. So. Yeah, don't win exactly eight games. <laughs> right, so, yeah. I mean, give me, give me your odds on that. that. I don't know. You seem pretty confident. Maybe. I, why do I need to give you odds? So, yeah. <laughs> At any price. Like, no, go inside, outside, seven to nine. Oh, there you go. 
Just play the play should, toward the middle. I should I should put, put myself in a Polish middle. We'll put play, you inside. Play toward the middle where you only win on exactly one value. That's always a really good idea. That's, but the uh, the average uh, misfit is two and a half. So you that's are true. It's a good point. Shape. So You're I think that's some nice, that's some good coach. I would I'll take like Rivera. I'm taking Tom. I can't I can't pick Matt Patricia. Like how can I pick this guy to win coach of the year? But like you can have, say, yeah you have Rivera yeah Rivera Joe Judge I think are both not terrible options to be honest because okay. Rivera's Rivera's thirty three to one and Judge is forty to one they're two I to one fully I fully 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 agree one of those two teams surprises yeah and that and I don't know that that means they win the East but they are going to be in the hunt in the mix and that gets your coaching consideration when they are, start talking about these week twelve. Yeah, when was the last time? I mean, Washington hasn't made the playoffs since the RG three year, so that's one playoff appearance in. I think they didn't. No, make Kirk it Cousins made. Kirk, Kirk oh, Cousins you're right. lost. You're absolutely to, right. Uh, he lost yep. to uh, Green Bay, right? Yep. Oh, uh, did he? Did he? Did they lose to Green Bay? Was that the game? I think they lost to Green Bay. Yeah, you might be right. Actually, that's a bad job by me not knowing that. And let's <laughs> let's put it this way: the Redskins don't win, don't go to the playoffs very often. So when they do they go do to the not. playoffs, they'll get a lot of no. only when there's they, a shortened season. They have like two playoff wins going back to 1997. Right. Um, anyway, right. doesn't suffer a similar fate to their last quarterback who did that. But. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Excellent, excellent work by you. I really appreciate all your time. This was as fun as I had hoped. Thank I you. hope everybody enjoyed listening. And uh, yeah, we will uh, we will reach back out this summer without a doubt. To bring you on for appearance number six, seven, eight, or whatever it ends up being. And then, uh, maybe talk some basketball. Maybe talk some golf. Maybe uh, get into whatever your final conclusions are for the uh, regular season win market. Yeah, we got there's a, a lot left to be determined, right? We got we got COVID. We have no clue what the season's going to look like. We got plenty of plenty of twists and turns yet. I would just uh, I would also in in the interest of self promotion, also just say uh, follow me on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. There's a link there to the Patreon page. The NFL stuff is going to be free to read. The first two parts I think I already made free, and then I had to stop to do this interview, so I'll make a couple more free. Uh, there, I think there's only seven parts total. So again, like don't you don't have to pay a dime just go there and read it it's really interesting consume it distribute it whatever you want to do so i just think there's some interesting stuff there and we can kind of raise the level of discourse about nfl wins beyond some of the the shallow stuff out there yep it is it's great all right take care buddy thanks guys appreciate it